this is Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich. This is a bonus episode featuring an interview with Liz Pearl, digital strategist and consultant on team trends and tech. We interviewed Liz at the New York Women in Communication Student Career Conference and featured some of her career advice in episode five. But there was so much great advice we couldn't fit it all into that one episode. So we wanted to create an additional extra bonus episode so you could hear all of her career advice. So here's the new episode with Liz's career advice. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, I'm Liz Pearl and I'm a digital strategist. And what I basically do is I help brands and people understand what teens are doing on the internet, why they're doing it, and how to reach them in meaningful ways that also helps them meet their goals. Our show is called Coffee Break with New York Wiki. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, what's your coffee drink of choice? I like black coffee, sometimes with a little bit of milk, but not non-fat. I like 2% or whole milk. Going with the real stuff. No sugar. No sweetness. Oh, no, no sugar. Come on. Wow. That's, That's for wusses. <laughs> like my coffee real. You can actually taste the flavor of the coffee versus what I do, which is like have the like a cup of milk and sugar basically with one splash of coffee. I also brew it with like because I brew it myself um, most of the time or most mornings with way too many scoops of coffee, like so much that I'm literally shaking when I get into the office. It's terrible, but that is how I function. It's Gilmore Girl style. Exactly. <laughs> Too much coffee. Very, like, coffee that's a maker. really good pop culture reference. <laughs> Thank there. you. That's like, well, we're back into Gilmore Girls. Like, <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> and I just watched, I just started watching all of Gilmore Girls from the beginning. So I'll be ready for, 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 the November, for November. Can you tell us the steps of your career that got you here today? So step-by-step, step, you know, your earliest experiences that were relevant to where you are today as this digital strategist working for yourself. Sure. I always knew I wanted to go into writing and media. Ever since I was a kid, I actually thought maybe I wanted to be a novelist. And then I went to college and I joined the school newspaper and started writing there. And I actually got it in my head that I was going to be a, a print journalist. I was going to work for a magazine. And it's funny that I thought that because I was actually a digital kid. Like, I love the internet. And what I really wanted to do actually was like be very serious journalists covering the internet and technology and science and really serious, extremely nerdy topics at places like, you know, popular mechanics or popular science. And the reason why I assumed print and actually saw that this career for myself, five to 10 years of being a print editor, I saw it laid out for me. I kind of knew how much money I was going to be making at each, at each step. Uh, is because that's where the jobs were. Um, and that's what was actually kind of like the sexy job to have. Digital media existed, but there weren't actually that many jobs. That's how old I am um, at the time. And it wasn't like looked at as actually something that was that was so serious. So I, I just didn't think I was going to pursue it. Um, and as it turned out, I uh, actually couldn't get an internship anywhere near my interest, which was, you know, these nerdy things. Mm-hmm. Not nerdy, really cool. Actually, I shouldn't say nerdy, very cool things. Um, and I was really discouraged, but my mom encouraged me to start uh, applying for women's magazines and fashion magazines as an alternative, as an, for, as an internship. Um, and I don't know whether I mentioned this side note. I, I went to school in Canada, so I actually wasn't part like in New York. Um, I didn't have any connections here. I knew nothing about it. I just knew that it's where things happen and it's where I wanted to be. So I applied to a whole bunch of fashion magazines and just so you know, like the thing that 
it makes me most anxious in this world is getting up in the morning and having to match my clothes. Like truly, I can't <laughs> even imagine. Like at the time, I couldn't even imagine like opening a magazine and like watching other, looking at other people doing that for fun. Like so, so, so stressful. Did anyway, somehow got an interview at Seventeen Magazine and landed an internship there, and that propelled my entire career. Do you know why you got that interview? Like, do you know why they picked you out of the? For the job a million dreams, what do they say? For the job a million uh, million girls would kill for? Right. Well, I, I know that it wasn't because I wore a suit <laughs> to my first interview. I wore like, a suit to Legitimately my first wore a suit to, with, like, these horrible, like, boot situations. So it definitely wasn't because of that. Um, I'm not sure, but what I will say is um, I think that... I ended up there, and I hope this is what they saw in me, because actually, as it turned out, the very best place to learn about and understand what was happening on the internet and where the internet was going was in the trenches with teen girls. Mm-hmm. And like, even though that wasn't what other people might have perceived as like serious journalism, right, um, or you know, path that would lead you into you know, technology and in, in the way that you know, if you worked at Popular Mechanics or Popular Science at the time, would I, uh, I did it anyway, and I pursued that, and actually loved working with young people so much and, and learned from them so much about uh, technology trends and internet trends that five or six years later, I actually ended up at one of the biggest tech companies in Silicon Valley, sitting at the table with some of the most uh, well-known and important designers and, and engineers having actual influence in products that are being developed for hundreds of thousands of people around the world. And let me tell you, had I gotten a job at Popular Science, I would have not developed the skills I needed to have been able to get that job and be valuable there. No, it's, it's, a, it's amazing to realize, you know, that A, what you planned for yourself just like was not the path that you were intended, right. you know, you were supposed to take. Do you feel like there were signs along the way that pointed you in certain directions? Because you went from 17 to where, to where? What were your next steps? Right. Actually, a, a very, a very unique opportunity to have worked at three major brands at very transitional times in media. So I was actually at Seventeen Magazine at the time when Hearst, the parent company, was like, actually, websites might be important. Let's start investing some resources there. Side note, Julie was actually the web editor at Seventeen Magazine. We go way back um, at the time that I was there as an intern, and she was, you know, I think there were like three or four, it was, your team was tiny. Yeah, three so it was like, people. And I, right when I got there was when the company kind of was waking up and being like, actually, like, web editor roles are going to become really important. And then after that, I actually worked at the Huffington Post. When the Huffington Post was, I think, the number one news site on the mm-hmm. internet. This was pre-BuzzFeed. That's how old I am. And it was right at the time when the newsroom said to themselves, actually, social media might be the place that we should be focusing on for content over the front page, this desktop front page people are navigating to. And maybe we should be building out jobs there. And then I went and worked for Instagram right at the time when the brand started exploring the content space and um, hiring editors uh, to create editorial work. And I think that I'd like to think that I was, I was actually really drawn to spaces that were changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think it wasn't by accident that I ended up at the pl- at the places of right at the times they were shifting, and then kind of left to go in the direction of the the, pl- the way that it was shifting, the thing that it was shifting towards. So, seventeen, I actually went and went and worked for a website next. After mm-hmm. that, I actually went and worked for a social media company right mm-hmm. um, next. And it's funny, I didn't actually think to myself, "This is the path I'm going to take," but um, I think that when you're interested in something, when you think about something a lot, 
you taste it in your mouth and you talk about it a lot and you write about it a lot and you talk about it with your friends and it actually kind of, it, it weirdly manifests itself <laughs> um, in a way that creates these opportunities for you. So a good example of that was when I was at the Huffington Post, I was actually writing a lot sort of in my, you know, as a side to my job, this wasn't the heart of my work, around teens and, and social media. And I was like really obsessed with this idea that like that parents needed to not be scared about what they were doing on social media. And actually the content they were creating was incredibly powerful. And it was just as powerful as a lot of the content that we were consuming in, in traditional uh, teen media. And as I was writing about it, it was all around the ether and that and then Instagram found me, right? And for me, that came out of the blue. I'd never even considered working in technology. I'd never set foot in California before. It was just like not part of the path that, that I had I saw for myself. But I actually think because I had been talking about it so much and, and thinking about it already, um, it, it happened for me. They found me. They 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 heard my voice. At least I think. Maybe they actually just were really good at searching LinkedIn, which is, um, you know, another possibility. If you're open to new technologies, new things going on, there are jobs that you can't even dream of. I feel bad being like, actually, the, your role models and the, the, the job, the listings that you're looking at for internships, that's not, you need to not model, like, the, skill, the skills of the skills yeah. you're developing and what your expectations for the workplace around that. So they're actually in a position where they have young people right now have more, more power than we do yeah. because they understand the space better. They've grown up actually. And I hate the word authenticity because like we all, I don't know they're, you're the same way, but like in every, every brand I talk to, every place I go, everyone's using the word authenticity mm-hmm. in terms of content as the most important thing. What's so cool about like this generation of kids is they like eat, sleep and breathe it. They've right. been like consuming and creating digital content like since birth. So they have this like, it's in their like DNA to understand authentic content while the rest of us, like old people are out here scrambling, trying to like cling to whatever mm-hmm. idea we have and it's it's just much much harder for us yeah and they're just more flexible than we are like they're willing to have open minds try new things like understand that you know what you think one thing's going to be tomorrow might change which I think that's changed a ton it used to be just you know the career path was straight up and now it's just all over the place like you don't go in one direction necessarily and that's not bad not at all and I actually think that it's like we I remember and even now I have to like pull myself away from this mindset where the titles and hierarchy was like, we're like so, so important, right? And actually I was given this like terrible advice once that I should be taking, uh, you know, a job with a great title over um, money. a job. Yeah, over money actually. First of all, like money, that is actually something, especially as women, it's okay to prioritize and you should prioritize. Yes, please. But even now, actually when I was, so when I, this, this Instagram opportunity came up when I was at the Huffington Post, the title was like, something super weird like I forget what it was but I had a director title at the Huffington Post and at the time like that was really important to me that I was a director like mind you I don't nothing I was doing was like director level but I was young and like I you know I'd been conditioned to think that that was you know that was going to help me propel forward in my career and I've been interviewing at this other really big media brand for a title that was like a VP title Mm -hmm. it was like corner office really big deal and I thought maybe if I interviewed at Instagram they would hurry up and make me an offer for this you know weird this what I thought was a really prestigious job and then I went out to Instagram and met the team and I realized that like the coolest shit was happening out there and like this title which like was meaningless and like the the, the job again I wasn't going to have a big team I wasn't going to be in control right. of everything but the job was actually going to be way more important right we're going to shape an industry the job itself was so much more important than this important sounding title that I had in, in this other space I was so office obsessed like I used to be office obsessed like yeah. you are successful if you have an office which is funny because like everywhere is an open floor plan but yeah. it's just what I was conditioned and I remember like at my you know third job I asked them for an office and they were like 
fine, but like, who cares? <laughs> and now they have my own business. I like work at a WeWork in an office with two other people. Right. It's like, what was, what, who cares? But it's the same thing with the title. I feel like yeah. you're conditioned to think those things are important and they're just not going to be important soon, I yeah. think, to everyone. I, I completely agree. Um, and I, you know, going into to Silicon Valley from a place where, you know, it actually in media, even though it's all online, masthead was like, was a thing, right? It was not only like something that you knew internally, like it was so important that it was displayed to the public, like the masthead of the publication mm-hmm. you're working at. And then I got to a place like Instagram and actually a lot of people didn't have titles at all. At all. So, it was, you know, if you were on the partnerships team, which is a really important job, you're dealing with celebrities, a lot of other people, your title is just strategic partnerships. No one knows what level you're at at the company. Right. It is no indication of your salary, no indication of anything. And um, the way that they describe the culture there is a culture of consensus, right? So you can be a manager if you want, or you can be an independent contributor. This is actually Facebook, not just Instagram. This is the full company, and I think Google does this too. So if you decide you want to be a manager, right, if you're really good at it and you decide you want to do that, you can do that. That doesn't actually mean that you're going to be rising, you know, you're, you're going to be more powerful or rising up the right, ladder faster than if you decide to be an independent contributor because they don't want people that, you know, are really ambitious, right? But not good managers, but feel like they have to manage in order to get along to be there because having a bad manager is basically like the worst thing that can happen to anyone. You don't want bad managers and you don't want people that, that don't want to be managers. So I think that kind of culture I actually really loved about working there. And I think, um, you know, especially with... Now, Silicon Valley has a lot of power right now. I actually think a lot of other office cultures will probably start shifting and adopting that. At least I hope they do. Because I think it was a really wonderful thing about my time there. I love that because some people are just like not good managers. And I've had people who I've worked with before who have said like, I never want to manage. And the way our system is set up right now, like if you don't want to be a manager, you can basically never progress. Right. Like, you I have mean, to hit same. middle management, which makes no sense. Because like, really especially in journalism world, like, and magazines and editorial websites, if you're good at writing and editing, you might not be good at being a manager and then you're just stuck because you never get to that middle management level that's just painful of just like... Yeah, and, and then actually like, maybe that means that it also like favors a certain personality type, right? Yeah. Like, it's the people that are good at managers are the people that are able to succeed. That's like... It's crazy, to, it's like crazy to think about now, but, but that's actually like our entire workplace culture is founded in that. We're actually thinking about it from a company perspective and not like a, you know, make, making people happy perspective. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a lot more output if people are doing the shit that they're good at. Right. Um, than them like really trying hard to like hone the, these other skills um, in order to, you know, be successful or rise up. Like let them do the stuff they're good at. <laughs> And if that doesn't have impact, then they shouldn't be there, right? I mean, it'll be so interesting to see how it shifts. I mean, it's already shifted so much, but in the next, you know, couple of years of just when people are going into companies, like what kind of attitude they're taking in terms of Especially how they approach their work. With all these kids, like even uh, things that they're doing on social media, like their generation of creators, right? They, they're not making money, but actually they're kind of like a generation, they're like entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. The stuff that they're doing, I actually consider that entrepreneurship, even though they're not making money. So it's like this generation of like actual entrepreneurs that are building like brands, for lack of a better word, around themselves, are going to be entering workplaces where, you know, they're, they're not expected to be, to have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really hope that they go in there kind of as like tornadoes and just like, mm-hmm. and, and change things. We're going to hit a spot where it's, you know, people of an older generation who have the same tools, access the same tools. Like, all this stuff is free. Every, everyone yeah. can make all the stuff that, yeah. you know, the younger people are making. Or, um, But, you know, they're going to be coming into the workplace and they're going to have this incredible advantage yeah. in terms of 
experience. I see like this this kind of like power shift where instead of you know us at a publication, so say we're at Seventeen Magazine right now, trying to compete with this teen girl who has you know using Instagram as an example because that's where my bias lies, mm-hmm. has a following of you know four hundred thousand to like two million people following every mood. Also giving lifestyle advice, talking about fashion beauty, talking about dating. Instead of looking at that as a competitor, being like okay. What can we do to help that person be better? Because actually, we, you know, as a company, a lot, you have a lot of better tools to be. She's she's doing a really good job within a specific space that she's created mm-hmm. for herself, like a specific space of young people. It's pretty undiscoverable, actually, to the adult world. So a brand like Seventeen actually should be, you know, they can discover it. They know what that is. Like t- taking her and understanding how to package her and then like, you know, bring her into the quote unquote mainstream. So you've made lots of steps and jumps and leaps throughout your career, both internally at companies and then between companies. How do you approach your boss to tell them that you're ready to take the next step in the career? So it's either at that company you want to move up or it's time to go. You know, you may both know it's time to go. Maybe you only think it's time to go. How would you approach your boss or how have you done it in the past? I try to be as honest as humanly possible with them. Um, and actually, I've only started doing that since I became a manager because actually it's really, really easy to tell when someone is being disingenuous with you. Um, and, you know, actually my biggest pet peeve in the world is not the people that come in and use platitudes, right, when they're when they're talking about following their dreams or not that following your dreams is, isn't something that's genuine, but, like, come on. Um, <laughs> so I try to be really honest. Um, I think that, especially if, I'm, if I want to stay within the company and I want to move up, I... What I do is, I, as I'm doing my my job, and especially like actually in, in communications careers, are going to feel really similar. I think where like it's not, not really a job description. You're kind of doing, you know, you're really helping create your job yourself as you're doing it. I um I have a spreadsheet and I keep track of what I call like ways I've had impact. So impact's like the word I like cling to, and I keep track of it and I like keep a list of it. Um and I actually go to like I have like the company's goals written out both numerically right if you're working at a place that that is looking is looking at metrics in, in a specific way and also just like mission wise right like where you know are they this video like the thing your publication wants to, to tackle next I match it together and I like literally go in with it uh, to my boss being like here's my impact this half here's how it matches matches to the company goals um and I like with this in mind, I'm like I'm having more impact than like my role mm-hmm. is, is allowing for me, and I use that as a, as a way to negotiate. And I have it all written down. They don't have to do anything; it's all tracked there. And I also have have a number in mind, right? Like I I know if I want to be making more money, I'm really really direct and upfront about it. I think that is the best advice you can give because a going into any of those meetings with just concrete ask is so important. I yeah. think to your earlier point, so many people go in and they just are like. I want to do X, Y, and Z. It's kind of a little airy-fairy. Like, it's not very concrete. And that's a very easy way for your boss to negotiate out of it. But if you go in with concrete, especially a number, a money number and Mm -hmm. actual facts, like, you know, we always say you're always going to be doing the next job for, like... Before you do it. Yeah, before you do it. But I also don't believe in spending, like, more than maybe six months doing that, doing a job that's higher than yours. Everyone says do the job that you don't have... But I actually don't think you should do it for that long. Like yeah. you, you actually, if you're doing something that's way beyond your pay grade or the scope of your job, don't let them get that from you for free um, because they actually will, unless you ask and you put your foot down, they probably, there's no incentive for them. Right. Um, unless, you know, unless they understand that they, they kind of get the sense that they want to keep you around. Sometimes some companies are really good at predicting that, but you can't bank on that. 
I think six months is a great is like the magic yeah. number because yeah. a year you're gonna be so angry after a year. I yeah, no, exactly. And then you're, you're like this pent up being like I'm doing this thing and in my head I should be promoted and you should be reading my mind and and then they promote you <laughs> and you're gonna be expected to do it for two more years and yeah. it's like you already exactly. are mad about it. Like yeah. it's just a bad plan. I think that's a great plan. Six months. That's it. Yeah. Go in, fight it. And sometimes you know how have you known in the past that it's time to move on? Because sometimes it's just time to move on. Right. Um, when I feel like I know everything about the thing. <laughs> um, you know, and you go, I think um, we all, in, in any job, and this is, continues even when you become an expert, um, I think women uh, have imposter syndrome, right? So you go when you feel like you know nothing. When I'm at a place where I have gone in, I've shaken up a thing, I've like you know, gone in and learned a bunch of things, and I'm, and I'm then standing there being kind of this like traffic light, like pointing everyone in the company at like all the things instead of instead of going in and learning myself, being like, here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Here's what I learned. Here's what I know. Here, do this. Then actually it's time for me to, even though it actually feels really good, right? Because it feels like you have a lot of power, especially with like shit changing in media so fast, you need to be making sure that you're like, you're in a position where you're learning new things and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, creating new things. So that's actually the exact moment that you make sure that either you move into a new job or take on something new, or maybe move companies to challenge yourself. And again, I've, I've had some, some time to think about this, so I, I don't expect people earlier in their career to know this right away, but I know the thing that I'm good at, the thing that energizes me is going into a company sort of as like the only person that knows the things that I know. So for me, that's, you know, understanding things about what's happening, you know, teen culture online, emerging trends, social media, technology, sort of shaking things up, going in there and like helping a company understand it, get behind it, how we should be, how should we be staffing it? What should programs look like? Where should we be focusing? How do you measure impact? Like doing it in this very kind of like startup-y way, I love doing that. And then I, I find that, you know, once I have all the people, we've hired people, we figured out what it should look like, and we're actually going to like, you know, implementing all of these programs, and I'm in a position where I'm, you know, managing people or like, you know, kind of, kind of heading it up. I get, I get bored like real fast. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't energize me um, unless I'm on the ground, like working at all hours, being insane, making a mess. So then I actually, and it's funny that I just did this without even knowing I was doing it. Every time I would move to a new company and I would do that there. Then when I got to that point, so at having in post, I ended up launching like a teen section. and We did a couple other things, and then I, you know, was promoted into a director role. As soon as I got there, and I wasn't like launching a thing, and, te- and we had people in place who actually knew everything that I knew. I like taught them, and we like did the thing. I went to another place, Instagram, when I was the, the very first person they ever hired, actually, to uh, to do that had any expertise in teens, and they knew teens were important in teen strategy, and they you know were just like, well, tell us if it's important, you know, and how it's important, and how we should be looking at it. So then I went in and did that there, and actually, you know, three weeks ago, I've only I was working there at the beginning of the month, so I, I've left fairly recently. And, you know, I left again when I was at the point where I was like, actually, we built out this, like, amazing team. I was actually super, super happy. I also really, really believe in moving on when you're in a really, really good place. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're happy, when you're comfortable, and people like you, and there are new opportunities coming up around you. Don't leave when you're unhappy, um, which is an awful thing to say. I mean, if things are really, really miserable, you find a way out. Don't torture yourself. But the best time to do it is not to, like, to catch it before you're miserable. Um, and leave when you're really happy. So I actually left that job, and everyone was completely shocked because I actually like loved my life. I mm-hmm. loved the brand. They're not paying me to say that. Instagram is like literally the best place to work for in the world. But I, yeah, I know myself. I know what I'm good at, and I actually want to pursue a career where I'm like all of the time going in and shaking things up and teaching people things and putting structures in places and then getting myself out of there and going and doing it somewhere else because that's what I love. That's what fires me up, and that's actually like what I'm good at. That's great. You're such a good. You give such good career advice. It's so. It's it's totally in. Um, Sound bites, which I love. We're gonna do our lightning round now. I'm just gonna ask you questions, a couple quick questions, okay. and just say the first thing that comes to your head. Best career advice you've ever received? Do less. 
and, and for me, I can ex- expand a little bit about. Other, I want to, even though have, it's a lightning round. Yeah, I need to sorry, know. <laughs> I have this tendency um, to want to do everything and have the most impact. And actually, like, and I think we all have this to like do the things that actually are like the coolest to talk about, right? Like, if I have an opportunity to go visit the set of a movie or like whatever it is that makes right. me excited about, I had um, at Instagram. We had um, like the head of our marketing team um, said to me, like, it was just like, Liz, you, you need to do less. Yeah. And you're going to have more impact if you do less. And I and really forced me. I was doing, I think, 10, 10 things at the time. He's like, pick two. And pick the two things that are not necessarily, you know, the ones that you, you think are, like, the coolest to talk about on Facebook, which, again, I don't think everyone's like this. I was certainly like that. Pick the two things that actually have the most impact in the company. And, like, mm-hmm. think about it. Like, what actually, like, what's the company trying to do? What can you focus on that is legitimately going to push that needle and focus all of your energy on that? And you're actually going to, like, having more impact at the company. That actually taught me how to focus in a way that I've I've never focused, uh, been able to focus before. And it it propelled my career. I mean, I really just, that's that's when I started um, really shining in the company. It's great advice, especially in media. Sometimes you're like spending all this time doing stuff that's not really important. Yeah, writing fifteen articles a day, right? right? <laughs> but then you're like, it's midnight and I'm here, and I didn't even get like what I was supposed right. to get done, and it exactly. just kind of like it totally throws off your balance. It's actually yeah. a great lesson for just like balance in general. Yeah, not ruthlessly prioritize ruthlessly. Yes, and just some things are not going to get done, and they might not be that important. Reevaluating yeah. if they're important, and just saying no, right? <laughs> just say no. That's a. I mean, in a really nice way. I actually yeah. got told because I was like, after that, I got like really like. I was like really crazy on my do less motto. So I was just being like, no, 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 it's not impactful. And then I literally had to have my manager be like, Liz, I know I told you to say no, (laughs) but like be a little nicer about it. And like maybe say yes sometimes. What's the worst advice? You you mentioned some bad career advice, but what's the worst career advice you've ever received? If you put your head down and work really hard, then then you'll succeed. Um, I think... It's really, really important to promote yourself and the work you do, not just internally, but like definitely internally, um, but externally as well. It's gonna, it's gonna, especially with social media. Like, don't be that person who overshares. But like, if you if something cool happens in the company um, that is external facing, make sure to take the time to share it. Don't I know it like seems really annoying to like you know when you're done your work being like I have to take this time and like this uh, as an aside to probably do this. Like it's actually like it's part of your job. You should do that. It's part of your job in terms of like taking care of your career. Share the shit out of the cool things you do and be proud of it and self-promote because it is it is the fastest way you're going to get ahead. And the people that don't do it, I actually don't think. The people that just put their head down and work, maybe they'll get noticed, but they can't bank on it. It's up to you to, to make sure that your work is noticed by the people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I feel like there's such a difference between bragging and self-promotion right. like you really in this day and age you have to self-promote if you do something great because also like your next employer is going to be looking right. at your even just your social media to see what you're doing right. and it's if you've kind of never talked about anything it's too late years later to yeah promote, and actually you know, promote like them. yeah and I believe you don't have to talk about yourself to self-promote I actually think you know we have we really love confessional writing right now mm-hmm. right across social media oversharing is kind of in <laughs> totally cool um, but actually the best way to do it is to just share work I asked you a lot of questions today. We talked a lot about your spectacular career advice. But spectacular. I'm, spectacular. I'm so, so a genius. Thank I think so. Much. I learned a lot. What's something that no one ever asks you that you want to share with the audience? Like, what have you been dying to share? Well, actually, weirdly, never get asked who I look up to and who some of the people I admire are in media. And I actually, we mentioned this, I think, earlier in the interview, but so you guys know, Julie and I work together. Uh, when I was an intern uh, at Seventeen Magazine, she was the web director. And I remember really clearly, um, 
I would I was very lucky I got to sit in meetings as as an intern at Seventeen magazine. Um, and a lot of them Julie was leading because she was the web director at the time. And you know, she had, I think we mentioned that she had a team of like not a lot of people. It was like a really, really tough job. Um, and a lot of the challenges that they were facing trying to put out good ta- content with not a lot of resources um, seemed really challenging, at least for me from an outside perspective. But she would walk into these meetings. She was like the happiest person I'd ever seen in my entire life. I was just like, this, this and, and she'd talk about these problems. And I'm like, oh, actually, I guess nothing is wrong. Like, I guess it's great. <laughs> Sounds good. And he went on like this. And it was just like really remarkable. I mean, she was just so freaking happy. And like, and when you walk out, you like feel energized. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, we have no resources. Yay! Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then eventually, I was I actually worked late one day and I overheard Julie talking to another editor and I had a bunch of meetings with her that day and I was like all jazzed up I'm like woo web and she turns and she's like oh my gosh there's the worst <laughs> and that was the moment that I realized I was like oh that's actually like her superpower that's that's, that's a strat that's what she, that's what she does and uh, it, it was like it was actually really remarkable and like I'm, I'm not very good at it but that was actually something I was just like oh that's what I want to be right I had these other like managers that I thought were like cool kids because they'd like we'd like complain together and that's like, it's like really like it's a really lazy way to like connect with someone honestly actually laziest ever but like Julie was in there and it was just like meetings with Julie were like so fun and we did a lot of work and I was just like that's actually I, I'd rather be that that's, that's what I want to be um, anyway so that's <laughs> so sweet and I'm so flattered and you can be the guest every single time but it's so funny because that has become I don't think I even knew at that time back I mean that's many years ago now that I was doing that now that has become like my mantra about complaining because it's very easy especially now I run my own company there's a lot of room to just be like bitching about everything and I have just kind of set this um this level of tolerance for complaining where it's like, oh, yeah, you can complain about something once, like, because that's it. But after that, and maybe twice, but then you have to change something. Something has got to give. Like, either you change it or someone else has to change or something has to give. But it's like, if and it's almost like for someone who's at a job um, where they're looking to leave, like, if you're complaining about the same thing, you know, over, we even have the same, I won't say rule, it's not strict, but in my household, it's like, if you're complaining about the same thing over and over again, like you're not allowed, allowed to complain about it anymore. <laughs> right. Like you just, and I think in terms of those old days at 17, like when I'm managing a team, I'm really into morale. Like, yeah. if, and you've seen it, everyone's seen it. Like when your manager is miserable. miserable or complaining, everyone, and even if it seems fun, like and I agree yeah. with you, like, and sometimes it's just fun to complain and I yeah. still like to complain. Don't get me wrong. But like, even when it seems fun and everyone's on the same page, like it's just feeding this like, this monster, right? Yeah, that and eventually like, something's really explode. like you want to get where you want something and then you want to work from them. And right. You're like, you're like, so the way I was looking at it, I was like, oh, it's really smart. Like, she's getting a lot. Like, I worked extra hours because I was so psyched because I thought that she would be so happy. Um, so then you really, saw behind like, the curtain. They're like, actually, it was just this, like, this secret point to get me to work. Anyway, it was awesome. Her manager should be like that. Oh, thank you. Oh, that was so nice. I'm glad we asked that question. Thank you. Glad um, we had this time together. Me too. Where can people follow you online? Where are you self-promoting? I am all over the internet. You can find me at uh, Liz Pearl, and that's spelled P as in Peter, E-R-L-E. And I am Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on Snapchat too, but like you're only going to get like really boring pictures of my sister's cats. That sounds <laughs> as pretty of right good now. To me. Maybe I'll have more time soon, but feel free to follow me anywhere. And actually, I almost prefer people to follow up with me um, on those platforms uh, as opposed to email. I'm actually really responsive. And if I don't respond right away, just keep bugging me. 
I don't actually care about being bugged a lot. It doesn't bother me, and sometimes I require it. Um, but yeah, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to anyone. Awesome. So Liz Pearl, at Liz Pearl everywhere. It's at Liz Pearl, yeah. And on Facebook, Elizabeth Pearl, but you'll probably find it under Liz Pearl. Thank you so much for being here. This has been an amazing, it's been a blast from the past for me, but also an incredible conversation where I learned a lot. You've been listening to Coffee Break with New York Wiki. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producers, Kylie Harris, Chelsea Orcutt, and Chrisanne Grise. Our editors, Aaron Mathewson and Chelsea Orcutt. Rachel Bowie manages marketing. Alex Fetter wrote the theme. Additional recording and editing has been done at Stoosh Studios with the help of Steve Francis. For more information about Coffee Break with New York Wiki, go to nywici.org slash podcast. I'm your host, Julie Hockheiser-Ilkovich. Thank you for listening.